Kia ora. Welcome to the Arise Church podcast. For more details, you can find us at arisechurch.com. But right now, we're going to hear a message from myself, our Wellington campus pastor, Chris White. We really trust you'll enjoy today's message. Right now, at the moment in New Zealand, for those watching online, we're actually hosting the uh, FIFA Women's World Cup soccer, football, I should say football, I shouldn't say soccer, should I? I don't believe I just said that. Anyway, uh, and, uh, and we're seeing a level of sport which is absolutely unbelievable. I want you to take you to the next level above that. My son's Junior D uh, football game that he played yesterday and, uh, at his school grounds, and that was just a phenomenal game. And, uh, and the great thing was, before the game, we found out that uh, Ed Bamford Bryant, who's our youth and young adults pastor, was going to be attending the match. So uh, my son and I decided we need to make very clear the expectations of what he's going to come and view. And, uh, you know, like, despite the fact that this week we were going to be facing one of the top, top teams in the league, uh, you know, and despite the fact that we lost two out of the previous 10 games, uh, no, one two out of the previous 10 games, I should say. Uh, you know, we had a real good shot at this game. We are feeling really, really good about it. And uh, so anyway, I dropped off my son early for the warm-up. I went and got Ed. Uh, we, we arrived at the game maybe a few minutes late. You know, I don't know, three, five minutes. I don't know what it was. And uh, of course, you stand on the sideline, you have a chat to the other parents like, hey, how's it going? You know, did I miss anything? Yeah, just missed three goals. Like, whoa, let's go. You know, it was the opposing team got the three goals. Oh my gosh. And then they said, and it was your son that gave the pep talk to the team beforehand. I said, what did he say? He said, okay, team, let's not lose. And immediately I thought, man, without a vision, the people perish. You know, I thought, you know, I go to scripture. That's where my heart goes. You know, I was thinking I should have taught my son more about raise the bar. Raise the bar so people will rise up to that, you know. One of the parents came over to, uh, to Ed and I, obviously recognizing we were men of the cloth. And they, and they said, we need your prayers. We need your prayers. I immediately reached for my phone and thought, I need, to, I need to text the intercessors team. Let them know. That the uh, junior team, uh, Hibs team, at, at, at you know, and Hibs really needs—they're under spiritual attack right now. That's what I felt. That's what I felt. Uh, I was reaching for my phone. I thought, look, they've probably got better things to do on their Saturday morning, like sleep in. I don't know what that is. And anyway, uh, you know, the game carried on. You know, three nil. We were there after a few minutes. It's now 4-0. Um, this is a bloodbath. This is not going well at all. But, you know, the team rallied, and just before halftime, they scored their own goal, and that's 4-1. I'm like, okay, all right, now we're, now we're getting somewhere. You know what I mean? You know, there's always hope. Parents always hope. Uh, and uh, after halftime, they ate a bit of chocolate. They got back on the field. My wife called, and she goes, how's the game going? Oh, another goal. Uh, it's 5-1, Anna. It's 5-1. She goes, oh, that, they're doing really well. If you're talking about the other team, they are. Yeah, no, they're doing really, really well right now. Anyway, we carried on. And I don't know if it took a while for our prayers to reach heaven, but the tables turned at that point. The tables started to turn. 5-2. Come on, people. 5-2. This was a comeback, uh, you know, virtually, or hopefully, hoping that it was, you know. And, uh, and uh, the parents get more excited. The team starts to rally a bit, you know, carry on for a little bit. The second half, 5-3 now. Oh, come on. You know, you can see people there, you know, they're, they're strutting a little bit now. Yeah, 5-3, guys, 5-3. High fives are going around. You're getting excited. Now it's 5-4. 
my gosh. And, and Ed next to me, he'd, been, he'd wandered off to some other game. You know, he'd given up on this game. Now he'd wandered back. Heard there's a few goals. He goes, man, we could actually draw this thing. You know, he's getting excited, you know, and the team's rallying, you know, and, uh, and it gets close. It's near the end of the full time. And the ball's gone out in the sideline near the opposing goals. We get the throw in. And uh, I, I think my son 30, th- thought he heard the ref say there's about a minute left to go. The ball is thrown in. It somehow gets near the goal box. I would say it was kicked in, but it just looked random, uh, you know, and there's a lots of boots going everywhere. And then the ball finds its way to the back of the net. Five all! It was astounding. You'd think we'd won the World Cup, you know, and parents are cheering, let's just hold out for a few more minutes. You know, we just hold out. And the full-time whistle was blown. Everyone's like, yes! You know, absolutely astounding. And then my son comes off. He goes, I called it, Dad. I called it. I said, what do you mean? Let's not lose. That was my, let's not lose. Was that a prophetic statement? I'd give it another word, but, um, but I tell you what, I tell you what, when God speaks a word about a future, what a transition. When God speaks a word about a future, then it has a whole lot more weight to it than a teenage boy's wish against all hope that they would come out of the draw. You know what I mean? Uh, when God, the creator of the universe, speaks a word about our life, when God, who put all the stars in place, who created your life, who breathed the breath into mankind, when He speaks a word about us, our lives, our church family, then we sit up and take notice because that has a lot more weight to it. A prophetic word from God is a powerful word. It's a word that holds creative life, creative force. He speaks things that were not as though they were and they come to pass. I really want to give a, actually a more positive illustration of a, of a prophetic word, a powerful word from God. And what I want to do is I want to talk about, uh, take one scripture from the book of Matthew describing the, the death of Jesus Christ. Most of us might have heard this, but for those who haven't, I want to read this short passage to you in Matthew 27, starting at verse 35. And it says this, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. To those who passed by, hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. And verse 46, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which means my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I remember the first time I stumbled upon Psalm 22. Now, bear in mind, the psalm is in a whole other book of the Bible. It, these are a collection of poems written nearly 600 years before Jesus ever walked this earth, right? Poems written by someone, seemingly a completely different stage, a completely different set of circumstances. I'm going to read you some snippets from Psalm 22. It says this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? Verse 6, but I'm a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. 
He trusts the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Verse 16, dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes amongst them and cast lots for my garments. 600 years before Jesus was even on this earth, this poem was written, a prophetic word. And the amazing things about Jesus Christ, the amazing thing is, through his life, over 300 prophetic words were fulfilled in his life. Things about his genealogy, how people treated him, things that he did himself, words spoken about him, uh, actions that took place, things that you could not muster or conjure of your own volition. And that is the power of the prophetic word of God. When he speaks something, it comes into being. When he says it's true, then it is true. When words come out of his mouth, it is a creative force and a creative power. And I believe God is speaking to us as a church. We're, We're entitling this series, The Next Chapter. And whenever you have a book and you read a book, you turn the pages and you come to a next chapter. The theme, the title of that is completely new. Whatever's happened in the past is almost secondary to what is about to take place. And God has a way of speaking to us. As campus pastors, as leadership team, we've been talking a lot over the last year. And and we've started to share amongst us the things that we believe God is saying. And there's some common threads that are coming about. Last week, Ben mentioned a whole bunch of these scriptures. Today, I want to mention four words two of which Ben spoke about last week and two of which I've really felt in my spirit God is speaking about this next season. But I believe this is God's word to us as his people and us as his church. The first word is this, Isaiah 43, 18 to 19. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. What is God saying to us right now? He is doing something new. He is doing something new. He's saying, do you not perceive it? I'm actually doing something new. Where there was wilderness, where you've lost your way, where the track is gone, where you have no set of bearings, He's now making a way through that. Where there was desert, dry, there's no life in it. Now there's a stream appearing. He's got new life coming, a new hope, a new opportunity coming about. I believe God is saying also, Forget the former things. What is, he, what is he not saying, first of all? He's not saying we don't believe. He's saying ignore the past. No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying we believe that we have an opportunity to learn from our past. We absolutely believe that. We've gone out of our way to really hear from our people, gather people in who is around, around the country. We've uh, taken on and listened to, sift through the advice of professionals as they looked, looked at our processes. We believe that right now we're on a process of reformation of this church and all that we stand for. We are excited by that. But I believe God's saying, don't dwell on the past as though they were the glory days. Because God's saying, the best days are actually coming ahead. It is actually God's nature to always bring glory about in our life. And here's the second word, Isaiah 54, starting at verse 2. And it says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right 
and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. God is speaking about a time coming when we would expand again. Expand in our belief of Him. Expand in our reach of what He can do. Expand in our effectiveness. But also He speaks of maturity. We're no longer youthful. We're we're progressing from that stage, maturing ways, learning from our past, taking those lessons on board. And why is all this possible? It's possible because God is our maker. It's possible because the Lord Almighty is His name. It's possible because He is our Redeemer and He is the God of all the earth. We can do this because of God Himself. He's constantly pushing us forward onto new things. As I speak these verses out, I want you to know that I believe and we believe these, these are things God's saying about our church right now. But if He's saying about that us collectively, where the church is always made up of individuals. And if this is your church, then I believe God is saying this about you personally. He's wanting to see you grow. He's wanting to see you find, you know, streams in the desert. He's wanting to see you find a way through the wilderness. You know, He's wanting to expand your reach, grow your maturity, grow you in ways that you have not expected or dreamed. God has a plan and a purpose for you. Uh, last Sunday, I met a man in the foyer. Uh, he was in his late 20s, and, uh, and it's the first time he'd ever come to Arise. And um, I got chatting to him, and you know, he was keen to you know, find out more about Arise. And, and, he, and, he, and he described to me the last kind of season of his life. He said, look, this is the first time I've ever initiated coming to church since I was maybe 14 years old. And I don't actually know why I'm here. You know, he, he talked about the last few years. He says, I feel like I've lost everything in the last few years. And uh, he said, I started reading the book of Job. You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, man, you know that you're in the rope if you're reading the book of Job, you know, getting inspiration from that. But he said, I'm here. I don't know why God has called me here in Wellington. I don't know why God has called me to arise, but I'm here. I sat in the service and then I heard about this new chapter. He said, man, I felt like he was speaking all about me. I felt like this is my life. I love that about him. In the midst of all this, he had the sense of hope. God, you're speaking to me. You're doing something in my life. I could sense the enthusiasm that uh, despite the fact that he felt like he lost everything, now he also had inside of him the sense of hope and belief. God, you're doing something. I'm excited to see what you're about to do. God will be speaking to you. Here's the third word, the third word. A few weeks ago, we got together with um, the team who um, employed for the Wellington campus uh, specifically, you know, our leaders, some of our pastors. And we're trying to determine, okay, God, what is the number one thing that we need to do right now? What's the most important thing that we're about? And as we met together, we brainstormed, we started praying. Uh, one of our team reminded us of this scripture. It's in Haggai chapter 2, verse 9, and it says this. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. 
I don't know if you realize this, but outside the Arise Center here, if you head left out these doors, you go up the stairs, there's a tree to your left just before the roadside. At the base of that tree, we have a foundation stone. And on the foundation stone is written this verse. It's written there for this verse. What I'm excited about is that God's saying He wants to increase a glory in our lives and He wants to grant peace. I'm so excited that God wants to grant peace because the truth is like in this world, peace is one of the biggest things that's under attack. Mental health has been rising, you know, at a great rate of knots in terms of our, our, our observation of its detriment, you know. And I tell you what, so many things come and try and attack our sense of peace. Jealousy, comparison, anxiety, stress, those sorts of things that come upon our lives. And more increasingly in the last year, the enemy has tried to jip, uh, take hold of what we've gone through in our season, capitalize on that, and bring irreparable damage to people. But what is God saying? He's saying, no, no, no. In this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. In this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Can I just say, if you have found that peace has been taken from your life, then I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. Allow yourself to give that to God. God wants to take that from you. He wants to exchange your anxiety and replace it with His peace. He wants to exchange your, you know, your turmoil and give Him peace beyond understanding. That's what God does. It's who He is. It's in His nature. It's what He's capable of doing. He is our God, our Redeemer, our stronghold. Secondly, I'm excited because God wants to increase His glory. But this again is God's nature, what He does. As soon as you give your life to Him, He starts you on this journey of increasing His glory in your life. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. In some translations, this reads, from glory to glory. God's desire is that each of us would grow. We would grow as we give our lives to Him. Our life would be turned around. We would grow to have more of God's love inside of us. We would grow to have more of God's character living in us and through us. And what does that do? It brings His glory into our lives. It means we start to shine His glory. We grow in our ability to advance God's kingdom. We grow in our ability to affect the lives of others, to bring His power, His healing, His salvation to others. God works through us to bring His kingdom into other people's lives. God is calling an imperfect people of His church. That's you and me. He's calling us as imperfect people to submit ourselves to Him become more like Christ. And as we do so, His glory is reflected in us. He wants to take us to ever increasing glory, from glory to glory to glory. And if you're grateful for that, we need to give God some praise today. He's an amazing God. And the fourth word is this. More recently, as I was preparing for a prayer meeting for our staff, I came across these verses in Joel and I felt distinctly like this is what God is doing in this season right now. I'm going to read some selective verses from Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 15. It says this, Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast, call a sacred assembly, gather the people, 
Consecrate the assembly. Bring together the elders. Gather the children, those nursing at the breast. Verse 19 says, The Lord replied to them, I'm sending you grain, new wine and olive oil, enough to satisfy you fully. Never again will I make you an object of scorn to the nations. Verse 22, The trees are bearing their fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their riches. Be glad, people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for He has given you the autumn rains because He is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And in verse 28, And afterward, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days. I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and billows of smoke. In verse 32, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And God's reaffirming His word to us. He's actually calling us to a time of prayer and fasting, which is exactly what we're starting in about a week's time. I, I read this. I thought, man, God, you're actually, you designed this fast, you know? The great thing is we're only going to be fasting for a week. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Uh, maybe we're just, you know, condensing things a little bit, but how, I still think it's going to be a powerful time. Fasting is always so challenging. There's no way to sugarcoat it. Maybe that was the wrong term to use, but there's no way to, uh, there's no, there's no way to avoid it, you know? Uh, fasting challenges your body. You know, I think we're addicted to eating. It's almost like we needed to survive. I don't know. Maybe, maybe we're too reliant on it. I'm not sure. But, but, but there's a thing. As soon as you start to take something out of your diet, I mean, Jesus went on a straight uh, water fast, ate nothing. Uh, Daniel did a, did a type of fast where he just took certain items out of his diet. You know, whatever you decide to do in this next season of time, it will it will be painful to go through. And, uh, and, and, and I, you know, I hear people, some people say, oh, after three days, you're no longer hungry. Rubbish. I think it's absolute rubbish, you know. Uh, or maybe for them, never happened for me. Just letting you know that. I don't want your expectations to be up here and then be disappointed. Can I just say that? And I tell you what, it can play on your mind every day. But as you wrestle in that, as you wrestle through that, something amazingly powerful happens on the other side. Jesus was baptized. He then came out of the water, had an amazing moment with God. God speaks to him, says incredible things about him. And the Holy Spirit leads him into the, into the wilderness. And he fasts for 40 days. I'm like, man, you have this high moment. And then you go through all of that. And at the end of that time, what happened? Did he just go, yes, I'm now in victory? No, the devil tempted him. The devil came to him, tried to mess with his mind. Tried to say, hey, look, you could turn the stone into rock. I mean, this, sorry, the stone into bread. You could eat this. You could actually satisfy your hunger. Started to tempt him with all sorts of other things. The amazing thing is that Jesus said, no, hey, no, like man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. That's the amazing thing. As we do that, then Jesus came out of that time, and the, and the Bible says he was now filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe as we enter this time of prayer and fasting, as we submit ourselves, as we, as we go through the ordeal of taking something out of our diet, whatever you choose to do, as we do that, then God starts to wrestle something in our spirit. Not only that, He starts to birth something in our life. He starts to bring about some things we would never have agreed or never have expected to see. God does amazing things as we do that. 
And through this season, God's saying, He's going to bring uh, provision to us. Again, I just want to encourage you. If God says it about our church, He's saying it about you as an individual. Maybe for a period of time you felt, I've, I've had no sense of provision. I don't want to stretch the tents of my life. I feel like I'm hunkering down. I feel, like, I feel like I just need to survive this season. I believe God's wanting to lift your eyes, lift your perspective, lift your thoughts. Let's just pause for a second. If God's given us these words, I just spoke of four that I've, I've really felt were significant this season. If God spoke those things, and we really believe as a leadership that he's telling us that, why do we need to pray? I mean, surely if it's, God plan, if it's God's plan, won't it happen despite anything we do? Well, the answer to that is a resounding no. God always looks for our response. God's done it all throughout history. He's done it in your life. He's done it in my life. God constantly looks for us. What do you say to this? What does your heart say? What's your response to this? God's looking for faith from our hearts. You know what? Jesus Christ went to the cross, gave his life for us. He laid down everything. He paid the price for our sin. And surely then we just receive salvation automatically? No. We only receive it by faith. We only receive it as a response to God, as he offers it to us. We respond to him. As it says in Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. We need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And in this next season, I believe God is calling for a response from you. He's asking for your faith. He's asking for your faith. He's looking for you to respond. God doesn't say these words in our kind of as a background to our life and we just sit there and go, oh, that'll be interesting. Like to see how that plays out. No, God's actually calling for a response from us. He's saying, do you perceive it? Are you aware of what's going on? Are you responding to this? I think one of the most scary passages I've read in the Bible is in the book of, of Matthew 13. Where Jesus was preaching his hometown. He'd done a whole lot of miracles. Amazing things were happening. Matthew 13, uh, it starts to speak about the fact that, uh, you know, the people in his hometown looked at him, thought, man, how's he doing all these miracles? And then they started to grumble amongst themselves. You know what? We know his mom and dad. We know his brothers and sisters. And it says they got offended. They got offended at what he was saying. Verse 56 of Matthew says, all his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. That's staggering. They refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles. In other translations, it says he could do no miracles there. It's not that his power was unable to, but he chose, I'm not responding to this lack of faith. I'm actually, I'm actually choosing to take my power elsewhere. It's a staggering thought that our lack of faith, our lack of deciding to engage with the Word of God, our decision to be offended at what He sends, would then cause Him to turn His back, to walk away. But I tell you what, do you remember the story of the, of the centurion with great faith? God was, a, Jesus was astounded with His faith. He said, I've never seen faith like it. You know, this man had a, had a dying child, but he says, no, you don't even need to come to my home. All you need to do is just say the word and my child will be healed. His faith was enormous. His faith was incredible. God is looking for a faith response from us. And maybe you might be here, you might be thinking, I have very little faith. Well, God's saying, I just need faith the size of a mustard seed. 
I just want you to respond, whatever you have. Or like the man who came to Jesus and said, Lord, I do have faith. Please help me with my lack of faith. God wants to move in our life. If we could just have the band up, it would be amazing. God wants us to respond to what he's saying. I believe God is speaking prophetically to us as a church. He's speaking, speaking prophetically to you as people. God is coming upon us. And God's going to ask for a response from us. What could it be? It could be repentance. God could ask from us humility. He might be asking from us to lay down our life and spend time in prayer. He might be asking for us to step up to the plate. Maybe he's asking for you to lead a life group. I don't know. Maybe uh, you know, he's asking for you to believe what he can do in your life, in your workplace, in your family. Maybe he's saying, I'm about to release provision to you. I want you to believe for it. I want you to step out into that. God's going to look for a response from you. He's speaking to us as a church. Right now, God is speaking. His word is this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Why would God ask us that question? Do you not perceive it? Because he's provoking a response. He wants our eyes to be lifted. He wants our eyes to look up. He's asking us, do you see the fact that I'm moving? Because the evidence is around. I'm moving in your life. I'm moving in this place. I'm doing great things. Do you perceive it? As I was preparing this message just this morning, I was reminded of this story uh, in the book of Kings where Elisha was being attacked by an army. The army came and surrounded his city where he was. They were going to take him out. And Elisha had a servant that worked with him. The servant happened to go out of the house, saw the surrounding armies, thought, oh my gosh. Goes back inside, tells Elisha, do you realize that we have armies surrounding us right now? And then Elisha, unfazed completely by this, you know, unfazed. He starts to pray, God, open his eyes. Help him to see what I see. He steps outside and what does he see? On the hills surrounding him, army of God. They describe that as chariots of fire. Was it visible to the naked eye? No, it wasn't. But God wanted to lift his eyes to see something spiritual. God's saying, do you perceive it? Do you perceive it? He's working in your life. He's always been working in your life. He's working in this church. He's always been working in this church. God has a plan and a purpose. His purpose is that we'll grow closer and closer to the glory of God. No matter what you've been through in your past, no matter what we've walked through in the past, God wants to bring us more, a greater reflection of His light, a greater reflection of His glory. He wants to expand our reach. Can we stand to our feet wherever we are? I want us to worship God in the next few minutes. And I want to encourage you to lift your spiritual eyes. I want you for a moment to ask God to open your eyes to what He's doing in your life. I want you to ask Him to open your eyes to what He's doing in this church because God is moving. He's moving powerfully. He's wanting to engage with you. He's wanting to engage your spirit. And as He does that, then God can fulfill His plans. So right now, can we just offer ourselves to the Lord? Let's just pray. God, we thank You. We thank You for Your power. God, I pray that we would see Your power at work. 
God, right now, as we listen to your voice, please speak to us. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Arise Church podcast. We hope this message has blessed you. For more content or resources, visit arisechurch.com. Matiwa. See you soon.